You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Clayton Bailey, C-L-A-Y-T-O-N-B-A-I-L-E-Y. Got a special guest on the show tonight. My buddy Jake up here. We uh, feel like we're seeing each other more than we're seeing our families right now, dude. We're... uh... (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, uh, we stayed up late together last night, and here we are again. And yeah, but uh, you know what? It's a good, it's a good thing. Absolutely. And for those of you listening on the pod, this is recorded Monday evening, so we've actually we're both staring off the screen, watching the Minnesota <laughs> Vikings lose to the Eagles at the moment. So <laughs> we'll try yeah. not to get too distracted here. But this is going to be our chalk talk episode. So some of you may have already tuned in. Um, at, you know, might be tuning in live right now on Twitter or YouTube. And this is the episode where we take one play from the previous Packers game and kind of break it down and uh, and give you some insight. The, the goal really is there's a lot of people that just kind of cut up film, right, Jacob? They they watch a multitude of plays and they kind of diagnose, you know, what's going on with the team, if you will. I like to take one play and really dive deep, give you the terminology. This isn't the exact terminology that the Packers would use. Every system, every scheme, every coaching um, outfit, they speak things a little bit different. And, and this play that we're going to outline, really the purpose of the long play call, it's somewhat archaic, but it's to give you a complete grasp of exactly what the play call was, formation, all of that stuff. So that's what we're going to do there. We'll do the Chalk Talk segment, and then we're going to wrap up the show with some PFF grades and talk about what we actually seen on Sunday, who played well, who graded out well. And, um, you know, before we do that, Jacob, did you have any surprises without going into any detail with PFF yet? I didn't really have any surprises with the PFF grade. Did you? It's kind of what I seen on Sunday night. Um, I wouldn't say surprises, but I did find um, kind of interesting was that the fact I don't know if you guys remember, but last week I was really up in arms about the fact that the third and the fourth string edge rushers were rotated in a lot more than I thought was necessary between the two of them. They had 22 snaps. I believe it was Garvin with 12 Kingsley with 10 if I'm not mistaken. And then in this last game, total combined, they had seven snaps. So to me, that maybe shows that one, Barry decided like, we need to have Rashawn and Smith on the field at the same time and that our defense is that much better. Or it shows maybe it was a conditioning issue like I maybe hinted at at the beginning of the, you know, they hadn't ran a full season or hadn't run a full game in the season yet. So 
I, I was just, I thought that was a little bit of a, something to take note of. And um, I'm excited because I like, like I said last week, I want to see Gary and Smith on the field together as much <laughs> as possible. <clears throat> right. Yeah. yeah. I feel your pain. Um, although we won't get into the grades, like I said, in detail, any bar seems to be holding his own according to PFS. He's, so he's kind of he's exciting. Doing, he's doing great. Yeah. All right. So let's do this. Let's, let's get into the chalk talk. So today's play guys is it actually came from the second quarter. Okay. This was a touchdown, um, technically a pass, what, what you would call a pot pass. Some would call it a shovel pass. Others would call it a touch pass. I personally call it a touch pass, but we're going to get right into it. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here, Jacob, and we're going to pull up the play and we're going to do our best. If you're listening on podcast, uh, you know, version, we're going to try our best to describe what's going on, but the play call, this is the infamous pony personnel. Okay. Notice I didn't say pony package. I said pony personnel because this is, you know, the, the, the 21 look with two halfbacks. So if you had 21, it was a halfback, a fullback, it would just be 21, I 21, whatever. But the fact that you've got two halfbacks on the field, this is what they call the pony personnel or the pony package. Now I personally feel like the pony package is when they are lined up in the backfield, double sidecar to Aaron Rodgers. But I call it pony personnel here because Aaron Jones is actually lined up as a receiver. He's actually lined up as the Z receiver. So just say, you know, for those of you who can't see the screen, the play call is 21 gun, strong left, Y off bunch, H back Z, tailback weak, Z jet touch, tailback lead. All right. Now let's break that down. <clears throat> First of all, with the formation. So imagine the pony package, but instead they break the huddle and Aaron Jones is lined up to the top of the top of the screen okay so from the top to bottom the Packers are going from left to right on the TV copy you've got Aaron Jones who's lined up off the ball which makes him the Z receiver he's on the strong side right but he's kind of lined up in the bunch now you always not always most coaching uh staffs will refer to the X receiver as opposite the tight end side okay and lined up away from the bunch set if indeed there is a bunch set so you've got Aaron Jones at the top in the slot, you got Alan Lazard. He's on the line of scrimmage. Then you've got playing off the line of scrimmage, the tight end, which is technically the Y. Um, that was Robert Tunyon. And then, of course, you've got Aaron Rodgers. You've got A.J. Dillon in the sidecar to the right, roughly a half a yard behind him, but to the right. And then uh, as the X receiver on the bottom of the screen, you've got Sammy Watkins, what looks to be roughly four to five yards off of the right tackle. Okay? And he is on the line of scrimmage. That makes him the X Receiver. So again, 21 gun, strong left, Y off bunch, H back Z, tailback weak, Z jet touch, tailback lead. Now, 21 guns, pretty straightforward. It's 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end. They're in the gun. Strong left, meaning the tight end is lined up on the left side. Y off bunch. The tight end is the Y receiver. It's saying he's off the line of scrimmage, just like I said, about a yard off the line of scrimmage. And it's a bunch formation. So you've got the slot and the technical Z, which is actually the H-back. Now, that gets a little bit confusing. Some offensive systems refer to the backs as A and B backs, okay? And and when they flex them out wide, they'll kind of communicate within their system, um, those being the backs. I prefer H-back because you've got H-back and tailback when you've got two backs in, you know, in the field of play, right? Um, H-backs typically line up in the tight end position, and what I've found is sometimes with this West Coast offense, when you split a running back out wide and there's still a back in the backfield, that running back that split out wide becomes the H-back, 
And of course, you've got the tailback still in the backfield. Okay, so um, anything so far, Jacob, that kind of stands out to you as you look at this formation on the screen? No, man, that, that's all pretty understandable. You kind of stole my thunder. I wanted to try to to diagnose what the play call meant and see if I could do it. But I, that's pretty much what I said. And like you said, the only thing I was a little bit um, iffy on was the fact that if the H back Z means that the H back is taking over that Z position kind of thing and all that, but you kind of touched on that. So, and the tailback lead I'm assuming is going to be the fact that the AJ Dillon scenario is going to come literally lead blocking for AJ as he's, or I'm sorry for uh, Aaron as he's coming around. Absolutely. And I apologize for stealing your thunder. <clears throat> I got I just, you know. <laughs> but yes, that that's correct. The H back Z is the H back is actually lining up in the Z spot there at the top of the screen. So you've got that right. Absolutely correct. So again, you've got the Z receiver being Aaron Jones, the slot being Alan, uh, Alan Lazard, Y off being Tunyon, X receiver Sammy Watkins, AJ Dillon is playing tailback. So first thing, 20, like we said, 21 pony, um, because there's two help, uh, two halfbacks. Now what's cool is this forces a 43 look. And then all of a sudden, Aaron Jones is split out wide. You've kind of got the advantage because they're in their 43 base, and we essentially have a three-wide receiver set because we know Aaron Jones is such a threat in the receiving game, right? Now, if you'll notice, too, at the top of the screen, Jacob, the strong left look, what it does is it pulls the safety into the box. So the, the safety on the strong side, as you see, he's creeping up in here in the box. And on the opposite side, toward the bottom of the screen, the strong safety is, and it could be free and strong mixed up. Typically, the strong is lined up on the tight end side. Some defensive coordinators played a little bit different. But the point is, you're forcing that safety into the box on the strong side. But one thing we've noticed on these breakdowns, Jacob, especially in the preseason as well, is the fact that they love to run weak side. You overload with the strong side and run weak because there's so much movement on this offensive line, so many uh, offensive linemen getting to the second level, right? So the strong left pulls the free safety into the box, and the run design is opposite from that strong set. So we're going to kind of roll it here in slow motion. And the first thing I want you to notice, well, in the play call, it you know, 21 guns, strong left, wild bunch, H back Z, tailback weak, okay? That's, that's the set. You got Z jet touch, okay? So your Z receiver, which is Aaron Jones at the top, is going to run a jet motion across the field pre-snap, and it's just going to be a quick touch pass. Some people would call that, um, you know, they would call that a Z jet pot. Um, I'm, I'm not talking about the Mary J. Wana either, all right? It's a pot pass. Some people would call it a shovel pass. I personally call it a touch pass. It's just literally the ball snapped to Aaron Rodgers. He flicks it right straight forward, and uh, it's more or less a handoff. But as soon as the ball goes to Aaron Rodgers, they start to key in on him as a passer, and then the ball comes out. It really does cause the defense to free uh, to freeze a little bit there. So at the top of the screen, Jacob, I want you to really key in on Alan Lazard up here, right, in the slot, the technical slot. He almost looks like he should be the Z receiver, but obviously Aaron Jones is that with the pre-snap motion. Watch this little out route he runs. You see that? Yeah. So Alan Lazard at the top of the screen, guys, uh, listen on the pod. He runs a quick little – two, three-yard out route. And what that does is it causes hesitation from not only the strong side linebacker, the Sam, but also the safety on that side. They literally both take a half a step. They're immediately out of the play. I mean, the, the ball is already in Aaron Jones's hands, yeah. and both of those defenders are trying to cover 
Alan Lazard, right? So that's something that that really holds the strong side backer, the Sam, and the safety on that side. It completely neutralizes. You've got one player neutralizing two defenders, and that's absolutely huge. So um, next up, both guards, they take the two technique, okay? And the point is to free up the center to get to the second level. So if we roll it back here, as the ball is snapped, there's two uh, interior defensive linemen that are both in roughly two techniques. There may be a little bit of one there. It kind of looks like it might be one uh, on the uh, on the weak side. When I say one technique, imagine even numbers. Uh, if you're lined up right on the face in the nose tackle position around the face of the center, that would be zero technique. If you're right over the guard, that's a two. If you're right over the tackle, that's a four. The gaps in between are the odd numbers. So zero over the center. If you're in the A gap, that's a one technique. And then if you're in the B gap, that's a three technique. So it kind of looks like Jacob here on the weak side. It's more of a one technique than a two, but it's definitely a true two on the strong side of the formation. Now watch how the guards both take those techniques, the two and the one there, and look at how the center gets free to the next level immediately. Yeah. And you're Josh seeing Myers, that. Go ahead. No, I've just, I've just been really impressed with Josh Myers, the way that he can elevate to the second level. I saw it in a few plays last week, and um, obviously now we're looking at it this week, and it's just – you looked at some of his PFF grades, which we'll get into later, but it's just impressive, and I'm excited to see him take that step. Yeah, and, and what's so cool, Jacob, is you know he struggled a little bit in pass blocking, and I love that the Packers are utilizing his strength. Right. They can see that he's he's got great athleticism. He can get to the second level and he's a great run blocker. So why not put him in positions to win? Right. That's what great coaching staffs do. A lot of times they'll draft a player and go, all right, I'm going to fit them into the mold that I need them at rather than, OK, what's the scouting report show? What do they do really well? I mean, you don't want to put Michael Jordan in the paint playing center. Right. You know, he was a great shooting guard. You know, he's a great ball handler. You know, he could play great defense on the perimeter. Why in the world would you put him in a spot that he can't be the best version of himself? That's what great coaches do, especially in the game of football. You see this with Josh Myers. OK, let's use him as a run blocker. But again, because those two guards took the one and the two technique, um, the one on the weak side, the two on the uh, on the uh, strong side, that allows Josh Myers to get to the next level and bam. He completely takes the mock backer out of the play. It's not the cleanest block. It's not the best lockup, but you can definitely tell he's looking to seal that inside gap there in case Aaron Jones needs to cut back, and that was absolutely huge. Now, so the center takes the mock. If you'll fo uh, focus on right tackle Elton Jenkins, and he's going to do a little chip here and try to gun to the second level, but this is just another, another version of <clears> – <throat> I love what Aaron said, the fact that Elton played played a huge role and I love that Matt LaFleur built him up Jacob that you know yeah. hey look we, he's the reason we won the game but when you see plays like this you could tell he wasn't comfortable I mean he's got a wide seven technique right on the edge on the weak side the run side of the play and he just barely gets a little chip on him not really yeah. it, it really was more of the edge defender taking himself out of the play and right. Elton's kind of lost on this play you see this like yeah Elton really doesn't do much. And I'm not here to bash the guy. I, I'm with Coach LaFleur and, and Rodgers. The fact that he was able to come back in 10 months and play off an ACL is impressive. And you've got to get your yeah. feet wet and get reacclimated to the game. But Elton right here, I would definitely give a negative grade. I mean, he, if anything, knock 55 on his keister. You know, at least occupy his hands a little bit more. Because really, he's the one who loses this play. If 55, that edge defender on the weak side, <laughs> if he just shoots that gap right there, he can really blow that play up. Yeah. yeah. So, agreed. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to yell. The uh, Jalen Hurts just scored a 26-yard touchdown run against the Vikings. <laughs> it was pretty nice. Impressive. So what's the score uh, now? It's uh, 21-7? 21, well, 27, pending the uh, point after. Awesome. Good stuff, dude. That's good a stuff. great run, too. You mean the Vikings aren't elite? Really? Oh, my gosh. You know, what's crazy, though, is, man, they were PFF's, like, overall, I think it was either first or second graded team overall after last week, which obviously we did that. So it's like, <laughs> right. it's our right. fault. Did you see? Oh. Well, never mind. We shouldn't get into PFF grades. We'll get into that later. All right. <laughs> You're like me, man. Every every time I see a player on this play, too, I'm like, oh, yeah, and he had – yeah, yeah. Don't say it. <laughs> so let's move on to Sammy Watkins down here in the X. And and what's cool is focus on Sammy down here at the bottom of the screen. He's, he's in the X, like I said, slightly off, uh, you know, probably four or five yards off of Elton Jenkins at right tackle. You can tell he's really got his eyes on that Will linebacker, and it's our good buddy Roquan Smith. Look Roquan. how he, you can tell he's looking to hunt that guy. And then oh, Roquan does a quick little lunge outside. And look how Sammy doesn't panic. He just says, okay, it's zone blocking. It's not my responsibility to blo block Roquan. It's my responsibility to block a zone. So he just picks up the corner, and watch what he does. Wow. Dude, he takes three players out of the play. Yeah. Like, he literally, for those of you listening on the pod, he he gets great great center of gravity right here, gets his base under him. I mean, he, no, no chance he's getting called for a hold. He's inside of the shoulder pads, and he drives the corner back into the – the corner that's on the opposite side that was supposed to be man up on Aaron Jones, as Aaron Jones starts the pre-snap motion, the corner immediately beelines across the formation. And it's really a hat on a hat. It's Aaron Jones versus that guy, and he's already trailing by three yards. But Sammy takes the weak side corner and drives him back into that guy that's on Aaron Jones coming across the field and chips the safety and takes them both out of the play. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't – the Lafleur, or is it? Is there a stat out there, or or that um, Lazard and Watkins are two of PFF's highest graded blocking wide receivers? I think oh yeah, like no no doubt that Sammy Watkins was one of the best run blocking wide receivers in the game, and and Ryan touched on that very well in the offseason when they made that signing that he's one of the better run blocking wide receivers in the game, and you see it yeah. right here. I mean, he just. And he and he's he locks him up for a yard, like five yards. I mean, he that's a solid block right there. Yeah, and, and like I said, just getting in the way of the other two defenders that really springs it. And then we get to the fun part. You got AJ Dillon, right? He's lined up in the tailback, so he's sidecar right. Okay, here comes Aaron Jones across the formation. There's the touch pass. AJ Dillon's immediately out of the backfield, and look who he gets to face here, Mr. Roquan Smith, <laughs> and. I, it, this is this is the Chicago Bears golden boy. This is Mr. Probo, right? Pro bro, pro broquan is what I call him, right? Because that's evidently that's the only thing he's done is made the Pro Bowl. But look at this guy. He right here, Jacob. That's the thing that separates Roquan from the great linebackers. Great linebackers know how to read and react. Roquan has all the physical traits that God could give a linebacker. He's fast, he's quick, he's agile, he's got that sideline to sideline speed. But right here, as soon as he clears Sammy, he's got to attack yeah. this point right here. Like he he has got to do everything he can to fly in here and hit AJ Dillon, seal off the edge, and allow his help to come in and seal this off. Like even if he blows AJ up, if he gets to the point right here where he's at the 12 yard line and he hits AJ Dillon and you seal that off and you keep Aaron Jones from getting outside, this edge defender probably makes a tackle. 
But again, watch what Roquan does. He he gets lateral and he goes backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. He he uh, he shies away from the contact. Yeah, which and, is and, really and weird for a linebacker. That's so good. Oh yeah, and all those tackles. I want so many now tackles. Here, I want man. you to imagine this. Imagine this, uh, Jacob. Imagine this play happens on the fifty yard line. Roquan makes that tackle probably. He pr- he probably somehow makes that tackle, and that goes one of the thousand tackles he makes every year, and yep. it, and it explains exactly why PFF grades him out in run defense is absolutely horrible, because yep. that's the type of stuff he does. He should have attacked the tailback lead, but instead he gets lateral, goes backwards, and AJ Dillon just cleans his clock. Literally drives him. I mean, when he makes contact, it's on the three yard line, and by the time AJ Dillon gets done with him, he's two yards deep into the end zone. Oh yeah. And that's the touchdown. So the the thing that I really want to point out as far as Aaron Jones, great burst to get around this seven technique. You know, like I said, Elton Jenkins didn't really finish off that seven tech. He just kind of chipped him. And look at Aaron Jones, no hesitation. He is outside. If he hesitates any bit whatsoever, 55 might have a shot of making the tackle there. But Aaron Jones is just, I mean, you can see right here, as soon as, as, soon as he raises his head, his eyes are over here at the end zone. He doesn't care what's going on behind him. He knows he's got the foot speed. He's taking the edge. And I absolutely love that play design, man. It's uh I, yeah. I, I really do think that Aaron Jones might be the most underrated player in the league right now because of the fact that we lost obviously Devontae and everybody's they wrote us off, man. And and I think that Aaron Jones, if anybody could fill that gap, the guy is – he's so good. And I, I really don't think – I'm not trying to be a homer. I think Ryan touched on it this morning. He's so, so good. I mean, A.J. Dillon is what I would say is a starting back, you know, in any offense, any team. And Aaron Jones, for whatever reason, I think I'd take over A.J. Dillon. And I'm not saying that A.J. Dillon doesn't have great – pass catching ability which he does i'm not saying he can't truck stick people which he can i'm not saying that he's not fast which he is but for whatever reason aaron jones seems to be that difference maker that kind of x factor and you just can't help but like chris collinsworth here's a guy that every time i talk to him he says yes sir no sir and it's like well (laughs) you know and he's got that air force family i believe uh his mother and father his late father and, and mother were um in the air force you just like you said, you can't help but pull for the guy. Oh, no. Yes. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Irv Smith just dropped a deep ball. Eagles are up 21-7. Anyways, um, so I, I just – everything about this play just makes me happy. The the fact that we got the two backs in the in the on the field at the same time, that's what we've all been yelling for. And I don't know for sure if I have this stat correct, but I believe that at one point they flashed – that we've had, I don't exactly remember what time in the game it was. It was somewhere around, I believe, at this point. But it said that we've had 11 plays with both Dylan and Jones on the field together, whereas last week we had two or something along that lines. And real quick, just so we can jump ahead to a quick PFF grade, Roquan Smith, Mr. All-America, Chicago Bears, best of all time. He graded out 36.0 overall grade. The guy was a junk bucket. And yeah, he had 11 tackles or something like that. But like Clayton said, <laughs> that'll you know, get your, example, dude. Get, your get your, get your, yeah, get your board shorts and your, your Hawaii shirts ready for Honolulu. Cause you're going to the pro bowl for having a hundred tackles, but you let your team lose. You created an, an avenue to your team losing in a lot of games because of the fact that you were over pursue. You don't know how to take on blocks. You don't know how to shed blocks, 
but you are pretty quick. So have fun. That's great. Yeah. And you know, what's awesome about it too, Jacob is not only is he playing piss poor on the field, but on top of that, look at what he did in the off season and stirring that up, wanting a contract. Like yeah. what, what does he bring to the table other than tackles? Right. I just don't get it. And then on, on the flip side, you look at what the Packers roster is made up of. You mentioned Aaron Jones and how team, you know, teammates voted him captain. Devondre Campbell getting voted a captain. Devondre Campbell plays the game the right way. You can tell he's playing very selfless right now, which is really cool to see him step into that role and allow Quay Walker to uh, to kind of grow into his. So again, though, guys, that uh, that play was pony personnel, pony package, however you want to call it. Twenty-one gun, strong left, wild bunch, H back Z, tailback weak. Z-Jet touch, tailback lead. And I guarantee you the Packers have a very, very, very short version of what to call that. They they may call it something as simple as, as you know, pony, pony 33Z, jet touch, something like that. And everybody on the field knows what that means, right? And it could even be to- as simple as that. Sorry to interrupt it. But it, it, from what I've read on certain stuff, you could have, even when you had that play sheet on your arm, it could literally be a number. Right. Like number. If that's the system that you guys want to simplify it to that degree, you can just say 36, play 36. You know what I mean? And then everybody, and that's where you get into where um, guys like Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, where they're worried about the dude playing Call of Duty rather than playing him, you know, looking at his playbook. And maybe that's why, because of the fact that we have a hundred and some odd plays we need just dude to remember on a number basis. Like I need to be able to say Kyler Murray number 36 and he's thinking i got three kills on call of duty right now like that's pretty cool everything we said with the offensive line and and what their responsibility is right and the guards occupying the one and two the center having to know i got to get to the next level knowing exactly what sammy needs to do he's blocking to his zone, but ideally he wants to get to that wheel all those things these players have to know as soon as the number's called play 13 they have to compute it in their mind Here's my assignment. But, you know, football players are stupid, Jake. You know, yeah. funny how that works. Big dumb um, animals, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get into some PFF grades and kind of talk about some result-driven content here from the game. Um, before we do that, though, we're going to take us a, a, a quick commercial break. And I do want to say that today's show is brought to you by PristineAuction.com. Pristine's the most trusted sports memorabilia auction site with an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. And uh, every item on pristineauction.com comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authenticators. I know uh, they're in the process of drawing the winner for the Jordy Nelson autographed mini Lombardi trophy. Uh, Really excited to announce who won that. That's going to be good stuff there. But let's take us a quick commercial break. And when we get back, we're going to talk some uh, PFF grades to kind of see who graded out well here in this win over the Bears. But like I said, first, let's let's pay, uh, pay a few bills here and take a quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Jacob, let's get into it, dude. I've got the PFF grades pulled up right here. Let's look at the overall team grades first, if that's cool with you. I'm going to rattle them off, and then I want to get your take just overall from the team grades as we start to get into the individual. 
stuff. Sure. So overall, and it's I've got it pulled up by week, guys. So let's you know look at it in contrast to last week's game against the Minnesota Vikings. Okay, overall uh, against the Minnesota Vikings, the Packers overall grade was a fifty-five point eight. Against the Chicago Bears, eighty-one point eight. Huge jump. Yeah. Offensive grade against the Minnesota Vikings, sixty-one point one. Offensive grade against the Bears, 83.3. Passing grade against the Vikings, 58.4. Against the Bears, 84.2. Pass blocking, 56.3 against the Vikings, 76.6 against the Bears. Receiving, 61.0 against the Vikings, 77.7 against the Bears. Running grade, 76.5 against the Vikings. We know that was the only bright spot, really, in the game (laughs) against the Vikings. Well, against the Bears, it was even better, 82.8. And the run blocking grade jumped significantly, too, 15.65.0 against the Bears. That was up from a 50.5 against the Vikings. Um, On offense, what do you think about those grades, man? I mean, literally overall 81.8, offensive 83.3, passing 84.2, and then, of course, running 82.8. Man, the skill positions are alive and well, are they not? Yes, sir, they are. Um, I don't have information in front of me because I don't want to make our stream all choppy, but um, if I'm not mistaken, you're doing game to game. I looked at a total for the two weeks. The Green Bay Packers are, as of now, before the two games subtle here that we have in front of us, they were the number one ranked rush rushing offense. They had the number one ranked rushing grade, I should say. And that awesome. to me just, whoa. And then I believe, again, I'm, I'm shooting off the hip here. I believe the Packers had the number ninth ranked receiving grade. And then a couple things that I'm not happy about, which I know are correct without having a look, is the Packers were the 31st ranked tackling graded team as well as the special teams overall ranked 31st out of 32. So... Nice. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, I'm not trying to get too excited. I'm not trying to get too pessimistic, but I am just trying to be the Ryan Schlipp of the bunch here and just say, look, this is what it is. Let's not get too excited. Let's pump the brakes. Um, <laughs> you know, let's, let's, let's take it for what it is. Let's accept our, our flaws and all that kind of stuff and try to improve on them because I do think that we have something here with even with our offense, with our defense, if they can pull their heads out of their butts, I, I think that we can, we've got the talent for sure. So um, I'm excited just moving forward. Absolutely. So on defense, the defensive grade against the Bears, 68.8. That was up from a 52.5. The run defense grade went down. I mean, literally 10 more points. So 48.5 against the Vikings, 38.0 against the Bears. We've seen it, too. It was obvious that Joe Barry said, we're going to give them the run. They're not going to beat us through the air. And I'll tell you what, man, it paid dividends. You got out to an early lead. You made them kind of, you know, get a little bit away from the run, although they did stick with it somewhat there in the second half. Um, But, again, the tackling grade, man, my goodness, 36.4 against the Vikings, 37.1 against the Bears. But here's where it gets good. Pass rush grade, 68.3 against the Vikings. It was 82.9 against the Bears. And then the coverage grade, 50.5 against the Vikings, 89.6 against the Bears. By far, the best thing that the Green Bay Packers did on Sunday night football against the Bears was coverage, 89.6. That might be the best team grade across the league. Can I quick interject? And the reason why I should say one of the reasons which I it got me so 
you know, I love looking through the PFF grades every, you know, Tuesday morning-ish, whenever they get released. Quay Walker led the Green Bay Packers in coverage grades at an 87.3, our linebacker. Guys, our rookie linebacker, who didn't – it wasn't like he only got thrown at a couple times either. He was, you know, like he, he, he's a linebacker. He's getting thrown at a lot. And what's also amazing is I believe Devondre Campbell – yeah, he was right around that. And not not quite as good, but he had a 76. So, oh, man, the, the days of Green Bay Packers being burned in the secondary by their linebackers and that kind of stuff and the linebackers not being able to cover guys, that that's done. And I'm so – excited about it it's just amazing man <laughs> quay walker is uh, i don't know if the stats are going to end up you know giving him the justification to be rookie of the year kind of thing but as far as what we needed from a uh, rookie defensive player he gets my vote for that you know what i mean so absolutely yeah and as we wrap up the team grades we'll get into individual grades here uh, the special teams grade was up a touch you know, against Minnesota, it was a 48.3. It improved to a 54.5. And I think everybody could kind of see that. I expected it to be a little higher than that. I expected it to be in the 60s. But then again, I'm not a special teams guru. I'm more of an offensive-oriented uh, fan, if you will. And, um, yeah, so it was just nice to see that little bit of improvement. And, again, um, I, I feel like it really showed up on Sunday night. So let's go on to the offensive grades from uh, from week two here against the Bears. Aaron Jones led the way, 90.1 offensive grade. And and you're thinking, oh, yeah, well, I know he runs the ball well and he catches the ball well, but, you know, I mean, how good is he, uh, you know, in, in the passing game? Or, in, you know, in the pa – yeah, in the passing game, right, pass blocking. 68.8. Like, it's pretty freaking solid as a pass blocker. Like, I mean, again, passing grade, it says 81.9 in, in the passing game in the running game, like running the ball, 85.6. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, was he the highest graded player this week, Jacob? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In the NFL? Um, am I thinking I, right? I don't know if he's in the NFL total. I would have to check that again, but he was up there. I know that um, I just recorded a podcast with the uh, with the guys at the Packernet Fantasy Podcast just before I hopped on here. Aaron Jones is ranked 15th out of 20 top fantasy football performers so far in this league. And that's beating multiple quarterbacks and that kind of stuff, which is even like, if you guys are into fantasy real quick, the top five, <laughs> Carson Wentz is in the top five and Joe Flacco, I believe is in the top five. Go figure. Okay. <laughs> Anybody that tells you they know what they're talking about is full of, you know what? So. Yeah. So it says, Oh my gosh, guys, Jake Kumaro has two catches for 50 yards in the bills game tonight. <laughs> Boy, did we screw up letting that. We screwed up so bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, up, up next, second highest graded offensive player for the Packers, Randall Cobb, 85.3. He had a total of 20 snaps and graded out of 85.3, 87 in the passing game, and uh, run blocking 59.1, but graded out very, very well, 85.3 as it sits right now. Up next is Aaron Rodgers, 83.5. And then listen to this, Sammy Watkins, 80.7 PFF grade. I mean. You know what's he, best about that? Aaron Rodgers keeps talking about it. He's talked about it all offseason, going at you. Yeah, this, is, this, is, uh, this is a guy. Here's a guy. <laughs> Here's a guy. <laughs> talking about him in training camp going, man, I tell you, man, Sammy's, Sammy's having a great camp. 
I think you're starting to see it. You're seeing the guy that Aaron has developed trust into. He's already got trust in Cobb. We know he's got trust in Tunyon. That just hasn't opened up yet. Trust he's got trust Lazard. in Lazard, and now you're seeing Sammy. And yeah. and I don't. I think gone are the days of Rodgers intentionally looking away from someone when they drop a pass. I really don't believe that's what he does. I think there's a lot of different factors that come into play. I really do. But uh, Sammy Watkins is emerging as – as another steal, that that may be the Devondre Campbell of this year. That may be the Rasul Douglas of this year as far as a cheap signing. I mean, think about our receiving core and how much money's tied up in our entire receiving core compared to other receivers across. Like, like a Kenny, Kenny Galladay for the New York Giants, $30 million. And, and I think our entire receiving core is like $11 million or something crazy. Like, it's wild. Absolutely wild. Up next was A.J. Dillon, 73.6. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, 70, 71.9. Yash Nyman, again, Yash, steady freaking Eddie, dude, 70.0. I love Yash Nyman and played 68 snaps, played the entire game. Pass blocking I rate, 75.1. I, I just I don't get why people aren't more pro Yash Nyman. For people, for Green Bay fan, fans were so excited to jump on the newest, you know, what if this guy could be great? Yash Nyman has shown us consistently game after game that he can handle like the best pass rushers in the league. And I don't even, I'm even going to call out Ryan here. I'm calling you out pack daddy. <laughs> even he, I feel like doesn't give him enough, enough credit. He says, yeah, like, I feel like he's he, that we're thinking that he's good because we're homers, but I don't think that's it. You look at his, look at his stats. I really do think that he is a formidable left tackle in this league. And for him being a developmental, basically, wasn't he a UDFA, if I'm not crazy? I'm, I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. So, yeah. I mean, dude, like, just let's let's give the guy some credit here. The fact that we could plug him in at left tackle for the back of the last season and to the beginning of this season, and really he's not the – he's not who I'm worried about. I'm worried about Royce. I'm worried about, you know, maybe running on run blocking stuff. But And that's another thing. We can move right on uh, to the next guy, John Runyon. Mm -hmm. tied with Yash with a 70.0 grade, but his pass block grade, guys, 86.0. If that's that's the best, right? Best pass blocking grade we had. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, I mean and, and he did he did take a step in the run blocking grade as well. He was a 65.0. So if John Runyon Jr. can keep taking steps, I love that. I love that. Absolutely. If we get Bakhtiari back next week watch out because oh dude i'm telling you and that's the thing too like when john runyon <clears throat> you know when he when he went out of the game right uh with the concussion you had zach tom step in and zach tom is a a late late draft late draft pick you know rookie right yeah. and he come in and i think some people would say he held his own i disagreed he had one or two good plays but i felt like he looked like a late round rookie. He really did. Mm -hmm. You see the difference with John Runyon stepping right back in and sliding Royce back to right guard. And I know Elton Jenkins is down here. I'm going to go ahead and read it off. 58.5. Not a good grade at all. Played played horrible. But just the fact that he played at right tackle, it 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 puts Royce back in his comfort zone, yeah. right? Yeah. And Royce didn't have a great grade either. He played. It's it's funny. He played right tackle for a bit, and his pass blocking grade was a seventy one point zero. So it's yeah. it's almost like he got back to guard. Was like, oh, this is easy to pass block now in here. But a fifty one point five run blocking grade obviously is is abysmal. But just being able to kind of stabilize those two positions. And and back to Yash, I want to say this because you went on a little bit of rant. And I'm going to go on a rant too. <laughs> the people that are saying I would put him at right tackle. Let's just put him at right tackle. It's not that simple to take someone from left to right. Elton Jenkins doing that, guys. 
And Brian Bulaga back in the day being able to do that when he first came in the league, that is something that's very, very rare. I mean, go. I tell you this, if you've ever played baseball and you're not ambidextrous and you're a righty, go swing the bat left-handed and tell me how easy that is. Yeah. It's essentially yeah. the same thing when it comes to blocking on opposite sides of the line. We got we got to get out of this mindset that we're playing Madden football. And I'm not bashing video games. I'm not the guy. I'm not the get off my lawn guy. But like, you, it just amazes me. Oh yeah, let's just throw that corner at safety. We'll be good. No, this isn't Madden. You're not playing mutt. Put the control. Put the sticks down a second. Like yeah. this is real football. Um, so I, I love the fact that we've got Yash, and he can play left tackle and hold his own. Like I said, a seventy point zero PFF grade, seventy five point one pass blocking. I love that we have that in our arsenal, especially if David Bakhtiari does come back for the Bucks game this week. And I want to mention that it came across the wire earlier. It looked like it just got confirmed. Barring an appeal, Mike Evans is suspended for the Packers oh, yeah. game for the fight with Marshawn Lattimore. So, he gone. Yeah. Dude, if that holds up and they don't appeal it, Jacob, we might have a something, dude, because Godwin isn't right. Now you're you're lacking Mike Evans. Julio Jones is still hurt to the best of my Dude, knowledge. I don't want to sound like a uh, Tom Brady is, and this is not me trying. Like I don't know how to say this without sounding horrible. But, uh, something's going on with Tom Brady with his home life. The guy's not in the right headspace right now. We had a guy actually message me on Instagram because I shared a um, a clip of Brady losing his mind throughout that game, throwing tablets, cussing yeah. people out, cussing this guy out, yelling at the ref. And I just put a little caption and said, imagine if Rogers did this, it'd be front page news. And it would be. And then oh, a guy cool. messaged me and he was, he was completely right. He goes, Hey man, you know, uh, Brady's going through some stuff. Maybe we should give him a pass. And we really should. And that's a really nice thing to sentiment. That's a human thing to do. My whole point of posting that was that the media would never give Rogers that leeway. They would never give him that leniency. And um, for whatever reason, Tom Brady does get that from the press. Um, and yeah. so, but that being said, like I, the guy's not, he's not, he's not in the right mindset. And I don't want to speculate as to what's going on with his personal life, but I would definitely bet that no matter what, how great of a goat the, the, the Tom Brady is and will always be, you can't go into any game if your home life is in rocks, you know what I mean? On the rocks like that. So I would Definitely say that the Packers, if if Evans doesn't go, that's a whole nother. And they've got a lot of banged up receivers, guys. A lot of banged up receivers. So yeah, it's not necessarily not, the – go ahead. Yeah, I'm not giving Brady a pass. I'm not. Yeah. The dude gets enough of a pass. If you'd seen the call, I watched that entire game against the Saints, and they got every single call go their way. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm not going to feel sorry for them. You know, I don't wish any, you know, bad luck on people. I don't wish any – personal drama or nothing like that but the dude's got more rings than jennifer lopez dude i'm not i'm not <laughs> you know what i'm saying like the guy <laughs> maybe it's a low shot i don't know but i'm just saying like i'm not feeling bad for the dude and the way that he walked out on the patriots don't get me started on that left him with 15 million against the cap just because he, i want to go play somewhere else and then he gets the hand pick arguably the best well-equipped offense in the entire league. And everybody acts like he hung the freaking moon because he came in and won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Like that yeah. team was primed. As soon as they got rid of a, a quarterback that might as well have been colorblind, he threw the ball to the opposing defense so much. <laughs> I mean, you, you could take a, a mediocre to good quarterback and probably do what Brady did. Now he played great. Don't get me wrong, but to pretend like he, you know, just raise the Tampa Bay Bucks up from from the depths of the NFL is silly. It really is. So, um, all right. With that being said, let's move on to defense here. We got our J Lo joke in for the night. So, um, <laughs> de defensively, 
not quite as good PFF grades, although when you only give up 10 points, man, that was a heck of a performance by the defense. But yeah. this, I think when you look at these grades and the, la- the fact that there was none that were graded in the 80s, according to PFF, as overall defensive grade, I think it really tells you how bad the Chicago Bears are. I'm not trying to uh, take anything away from the win. The win is a win. It's a division win. They're always tough. And we've seen what the Bears did with the with the 49ers last week, right? But coming in at the top here, you got Jair Alexander, 78.9. Kenny Clark, 78.7. Quay Walker, 76.2. Guys, Quay Walker was the third highest graded player on a defense that only gave up 10 points. I mean, that's absolutely phenomenal. Dean Lowry, 72.9. Then Preston Smith at a 70.7. What stands out to you about those guys? Because I know what you're going to say. We, I see some blues here. I see some elite grades. Talk to me, Jake. I mean, that's just what it is, man. It's the fact that, you know, Jair, obviously, the 86.2 coverage grade. That's second only to Quay Walker, who I touched on earlier, who had the 87.3 <laughs> grade. And that just makes me so happy. And then the other thing, Quay Walker, 77.5 tackling grade. Again, on a defensive grade that we had from the Packers, which is 31st, I – the fact that a rookie is maybe carrying our defense in that aspect, other than Razul Douglas, who had an 81.2 tackling grade, if you remember that 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 play he made, which was very, again, Jair-esque, where he knifed in, stopped the wide receiver behind the line of scrimmage, and then the next play, when it was third and long, he stopped that. Would be a very long gain for a third down screen. I love Razul Douglas. I love the fact that he's been just killing it as far as, you know, putting him in the slot. He's never been there before. We didn't know how he'd do. Um, And then Kenny Clark, the pass rush grade, 90.5. And if I'm not mistaken, he had a really high pass rush grade last week as well. I cannot wait to see when that comes to fruition. I really do think that the offensive – I'm sorry, the defensive line is going to really start feasting on guys because – we just we saw too much of it in the preseason and the and the scrimmages and all that kind of stuff. And Rashawn Gary and Preston both have two sacks for two games. If they keep on that pace, seventeen each, like and and it's not to me unrealistic that they do that because of the fact that they to me they should have more sacks than they do. And I was wanting to almost hate on the the two of them because they don't have much more production and and uh, Gary didn't have many tackles, but. He's a split second away, a split second away on most plays. The guy's got a motor like you wouldn't believe, and um, I'm just – I'm excited. And the fact that, again, Dean Lowry quietly having another great season again, he just shows up and he makes his money and he, he does his stuff. And then number six after Preston was Kingsley Enigbare. He did not have many snaps at all. Again, only four, but he graded out really good overall and good against the brunch was his biggest knock coming into the draft. So if he can take steps there, then – we got something there, so I'm excited. Absolutely. I want to point this out with Rasul Douglas. You know, we talked about uh, on the postgame show, and I said how Greg Cosell says some of the great defenses are really shying away from focusing on the run. They're essentially giving teams the run and playing the pass. They're, they're trying to negate uh, those those large plays, those big, you know, what they call spark plays, the, the home runs, right? And when you look at Rasul's grade, like you said, you know, coverage grade 82.1, his tackling grade 81.2, which is excellent, but his run defense grade was a 28.0. I personally think, and I haven't looked at the tape yet, the next time I watch, I'm going to watch the next wave of snaps through, and I really want to key in on Russell Douglas. To me, it tells me that probably Joe Barry said, listen, I don't want you to even be worrying about the run. Yeah, if you can if you can make a tackle, you can get in there and play the run fit wherever you can, that's fine. But the top priority is take away um, – Take away Justin Fields' number one read with you know within the inside passing game. 
you know, that's going to be the hot read, the slot, the tight end, things like that. And I guarantee you, Rasul, that was what his responsibility was. And that therefore, that's why the run defense grade was so low. And that's where sometimes it doesn't tell the entire story. You hear Pat McAfee and other players say, oh, well, PFF isn't in the defensive game planning room. They don't know what was called. They don't know what what was told to the players. Hey, I want you to don't even worry about that. Focus on this aspect of the game. That's what if the tackle grade wasn't so good, Jacob, I would be like, okay, if the tackle grade was down and the run defense grade was down, I'd be like, I don't know. But the fact that the tackle grade was so high tells me he knows how to play the run. But the fact that the run defensive grade was so low, I guarantee you the scheme was set to say, listen, take away that number one read underneath and yeah. we'll worry about the run. And they right. bit and didn't break. You know, that's uh, that's exciting stuff there. So uh, another thing that kind of stands out, Darnell Savage is kind of grading out where he was last year. You know, here's a 62.7 coverage grade, 63.6, tackle grade, 53.2, run defense, 58.3. I guess you could say the same thing for him as you did Rasul, but that's just pretty mediocre across the board. Savage still isn't flashing. Guys, you've got Savage grading out low. You had Rasul Douglas grading out somewhat low. Stokes graded out a 60.0. Adrian Gary. Amos, again, 59.2. Rashawn Gary had a bad game, 59.0. Jaron Reed, 52.0. Devontae Wyatt, 43.8. Granted, it was minimal snaps. TJ Slayton, 38.7. And we still only gave up 10 points. Like, that. there's a lot of growth to be had on this defense, man. And I well, think that the – I think that the way that those numbers line up, Jacob, that's some somewhat schematic of what they were trying to accomplish. Yeah, and that's uh, one thing I was going to say. So number one rushing grade the Packers have, and that's with the 22nd run blocking grade. So like you said, imagine if we get that run blocking grade up to top 10. Imagine the holes that are running backs. And that's the same thing I talked about with A.J. Dillon. I believe, if I'm not crazy, you look back at A.J. Dillon at Boston College. He had the worst offensive pass blocking grade in like both of his seasons out of almost any running back in the league. And he still finished with the best, the, the highest rushing yards in Boston College history. So we have a history of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon making something out of nothing. And if we can finally get our offensive line to start creating big holes, if they really start doing that zone, zone rushing offense at a, at a high level, our ceiling is who knows, man. And that's, that's, it's really exciting. And that opens up play action, which opens up, you know, Rogers being able to dink and dunk on these guys. So I'm, I'm very, very excited about our offense. Like, like last year, week one was a, a scare. And then week two was a rebound. Let's see what happens in week three because I really do think that we've put together some pieces here and um, I'm excited to see what we can do. Yeah, completely agree, man. I'm fired up, dude. I appreciate your time tonight, man. This was a lot of fun. Um, what we're going to do, guys, uh, the next episode will come Thursday night. That will either be the game planning episode for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers or I will hold that back until Saturday. But, again, game day is going to be Sunday afternoon. It's that late window. should be nationally televised, I would imagine. Um, 325 kickoff central, 425 Eastern. We'll be doing a post-game show immediately following that as well. But, again, look for the game planning episode. If I have time, I'm going to put that game plan together. What's crazy, Jacob, I don't, I'm don't. i not trying to toot my own horn, but the first two weeks I feel like I really nailed the game plan. They did not um, accomplish what we needed to there against Minnesota. And then last week against the Bears, it was to a T, man. Keeping fields within the pocket, make them throw from, from within the well. Yep. And uh, – 
play that contain. I, you know, I, I wanted them to load the box a little bit more and play the run a little closer. But again, they were playing, playing it safe and making, uh, making them use every inch of the field. And, and again, that goal line stand, man, I, all I can think about is Quay Walker making that tackle there on third down to prevent that touchdown. Just, uh, awesome. we got us, got us something awesome there, man. So oh, yeah. anything else you want to say before we sign off here, man? No, man. I mean, um, I just, uh, happy birthday to you. Isn't it, uh, isn't it your birthday today? Yeah, today. Today's a big All day, right, man. Happy yeah. birthday. Happy birthday also to Krista Watson, I believe. Isn't that yeah. the? All right. There we go. Yeah. A couple it's of a good, day, uh, man. good day. people celebrating a birthday. Other than that, man, it's just, um, it's great <laughs> to be on with you. It's been a great weekend. It's so different when the Packers win versus last week. It's just the whole, <laughs> I go, I wake up, I'm happy. You know, I bop around the day. I talk to people. I say hi to strangers and whatnot. And then <laughs> yeah. it's the exact opposite when they lose. So I'm just, I'm excited. Let's enjoy this week and let's get ready for next week. And of course, go Pack Go. Awesome. Yeah. Well, like I said, guys, the Chalk Talk play was 21 gun, strong left, wide off bunch, H-back Z, tailback weak, Z-jet touch, tailback lead. Really enjoyed breaking that down. Hope you guys did too. So um, appreciate you taking the time to come hang out with us. Um, we uh, we never take it for granted. You can be anywhere in the world and you're choosing to hang out with us. We definitely appreciate it. So as always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And what is it, Jacob? Vikings just threw an interception in the end zone. <laughs> That's a perfect way to end the, end the podcast. <laughs> no, no better way to end the pod. And as we turn off, it looks like the Vikings are losing 24 to 7. So it's going to be a good night. Let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Yeah. Go back, go, baby. <laughs>